0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome. to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: All right, and thank you for tuning in, whether it's on the America One Radio app, americamorneradio.com, wherever you podcast. This is the Thursday Ron Show. Uh, Second half of the show, complete conversation, ensconced in transit couple of transit geeks, myself being one for sure, uh, and maybe he doesn't like me using that term, but his name is Matt Stigl. He is the uh, one of the members of the Cobb County Transit Advisory Board. He is a local marketing guru, uh, transit and sustainability advocate. Oh, and he's also a founding member, or actually one of the driving forces behind the start of supporter groups for Atlanta United, the founder of the Terminus Legion. So, he's an all-around cool guy. We'll talk to him uh, about OTP and ITP transit. And if you're not from Metro Atlanta, don't know what that means. Outside the perimeter, OTP. Inside the perimeter, ITP. Obviously, Cobb is mostly OTP. So, we'll, we'll talk about uh, all kinds of transit issues, uh, whether it be MARTA, the Beltline kerfuffle. There's a big argument right now about, wait, are, are we going to have rail on the Beltline? Yes, by design, all along. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that and state transit needs and so much more looking forward to that. Uh, while we were waiting today to get a vote in the Georgia house, uh, to pass along the third map that they were tasked with redrawing in this special session, that one being the congressional map, I was just sitting there watching, uh, the Georgia Senate YouTube page and <laughs> Coltimore is, uh, quite the entertaining cat, uh. For whatever reason, he wanted to call roll. And he started the session seeking to get uh, the lieutenant governor to call roll. Didn't happen. He came up later in a point of privilege and tried again and didn't happen. That man is looking to raise his profile. Uh, so think of that what you will. However, those of us on the left who are looking for uh, someone to ascend at the state level, I mean, I might be a little biased because she was on the show a couple of days ago. But Senator Elena Parent, is this a rising star in the Democratic Party? And, and and listen, make no bones about it. I think Georgia Democrats have a lot of rising stars in the Democratic Party. Y'all know I'm a big fan of Dr. Michelle Al. Gotta get her back on the show. She's uh she's fun. Um but I want you to listen to Senator Elena Parent, who took her moment, point of privilege, and went after Governor Brian Kemp, who is again looking for tax cuts. And hey, listen, I, I owe the state a little bit of money. I don't I don't mind. The reason I don't pay them, it's not the reason I don't pay them, but one of the reasons I'm like, eh, okay, I know I need to pay you by this date, and it's still coming. Uh, but they, they keep offering rebates, and the number just keeps getting lower, so if I wait them out... I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, another tax cut and potential rebates on the books. The governor tried to make that pitch earlier this week. And uh, Senator Elena Parent, and by the way, I think this really kind of dovetails with the conversation uh, I'll be having later with Matt Stiggle uh, about transit needs in this state. Uh, Senator Elena Parent's like, wait, <clears throat> you want to cut taxes? We've got a huge surplus. We've got all these things that need to be dealt with. And where's the responsible governance here? Listen to her.
2: Colleagues, um, I rise this morning to draw your attention to a very strange, whiplash-inducing split screen that has been unfolding uh, during the time of our special session. On the one hand, uh, at some point over the last week, I can't remember the exact day, there was a press conference that the Governor did, I believe with many um, other Republican legislators um, urging that we speed up a tax cut that was uh, put into place to scale downward over a certain amount of time and saying oh we're we've we've um budgeted so conservatively and appropriately and everything is so wonderful so we need to go ahead and actually cut taxes sooner than we had even been anticipating and, you know, probably also have more talk about one-time um, tax rebate giveaways to Georgia taxpayers. Well, then I attended two hearings, um, you know, buoyed by this this, this news that had, had been issued at the governor's press conference. I attended two different hearings on um, status updates of various state programs. One was a hearing by to give us an update on sb 211 that's the newly um organized literacy council that is is charged with looking at things and dealing with georgia's abominably low 33 percent of ability to read on grade level rate among georgia's school children Mm -hmm. we also got an update on um hb 538 which is sort of a a bill, not quite a companion, but was part of the program to implement that. And the message came through loud and clear that we're engaging in some kind of magical thinking in sort of saying we want to do these things, but we have a plan that we're being told will not work for the feds to fund it because the state appears to be resisting putting any skin in the game to to see if we can can have more Georgia children that will actually be able to read which is a basic skill to succeed in an economy today and frankly over the past decades as well. Then fast forward a day, I attend uh, budget hearings yesterday and there was a parade of agency heads and former republican elected officials with a drumbeat on how dire the circumstances are in every single one of their agencies they they can't keep staff our our um salaries simply are not competitive they can't compete against the private sector they can't even compete against local governments I'll just give you a couple things that we learned yesterday. At the Prosecuting Attorney's Council, from them we heard that the vacancies are are untenable and unsustainable in these positions. In the Northern Circuit, four out of seven positions are vacant, a 57% vacancy rate. In Patala and Western Circuits, it's 50%. There has been 25% average turnover over the past five years. They do not have competitive pay and cannot hire into these jobs, nor keep people in them. That's the Prosecuting Attorney's Council. I thought we wanted to ensure safe communities. That's law enforcement. At the Department of Labor, we are a year behind in unemployment insurance appeal hearings because there aren't enough hearing officers. The average wait time is over three hours at the customer call center, and the calls abandoned from consumers are 52%. This also appears to be because, as was testified to by our former colleague, uh, Georgia Department of Labor Commissioner Bruce Thompson, the system is actually set up to sort of boot people off Mm -hmm. after three hours and he was candid when he received a question from the audience about would we be in a better position today were COVID to strike again at the department of labor and his answer essentially was no secretary of state attorney general and agriculture commissioner all had similar stories the superior the, the judicial council of superior court judges Their compensation ranks 49th in the country behind only West Virginia. Mm. And again, there was more magical thinking discussed. I think this was during the Georgia Department of Labor testimony, that apparently some idea that we have that the feds are going to do something for us to upgrade one of our infrastructure systems is never going to happen because as we were told repeatedly, the state has put no skin in the game. Why on earth would we think that the federal government is going to come in and rescue us on our unemployment systems and our children's literacy when we're unwilling to, to put any money into it ourselves? Meanwhile we have Kemp saying we need to cut taxes. Meanwhile we've got a $16 billion surplus. Georgia's human capital and infrastructure is crying out for some investment to write some of these, and this was only a very Sen- few, of Sen- the abominable Sen- situations, and we have a $16 billion surplus Sen- to do it with. Sen- I suggest we get to work. Thank you, Mr. President. Right, I yield thank well.
1: you, Senator. As Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones said not a minute later. We've got some feisty folks in here this morning. So. Again, I don't know the first thing about her political ambitions beyond the office she holds now. But I am saying we don't hear enough about potential gubernatorial candidates on the left. We're always hearing about those who, <clears throat> Burt Jones, are uh, Chris Carr, are making plans to run once Governor Brian Kemp's second term ends in 2026. I wouldn't be mad if she decided to run. I'm just saying. I repeat, she has said nothing to me. She said nothing to me in the interview, before the interview, and the run-up, to the. none of that. I have no idea whatsoever, but I wouldn't be mad if she did. By the way, I didn't mention at the start of the segment that while they were waiting on the House to vote on the new congressional map, um, Republican legislatures did actually pass that new map. So now it's going to go back to the federal judge that tasked the state with redrawing maps to give greater opportunity for black representation. In my own opinion, all three maps really fail. Two of the three for sure fail. I would bet the house that two of the three are going to be redrawn by special masters. And the one that I'm 50-50 on is the Georgia house map. So, uh, late yesterday, we learned of yet another mass shooting on a campus in the United States. This one at the campus at the University of Nevada at Las Vegas, UNLV, and there are Georgia ties. And, not because of the Georgia ties, but because Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock is a strong advocate for stricter gun legislation and also to mark the anniversary of his winning a runoff election. Congratulations and happy anniversary to you, Reverend Senator. The Reverend Senator took to the floor of the Senate to give an impassioned speech today. So we will have that when we come back. And again, second half of the show, I'm excited. Get to talk with Mark Stiggle, who is a local marketing guru, also a big-time transit and sustainability advocate, founder of the Terminus Legion. You Atlanta United fans will know who that is. And uh, he's also a member of the Cobb County Transit Advisory Board. We talk transit. And now that I think about it, uh, Senator Parent's floor speech today, I believe, actually uh, had a tip to the fact that the federal government is looking to dole out money for mass transit and rail transit expansion. States like North Carolina are getting in on it, and we're seeing rail lines coming to Atlanta, which used to be, I mean, the city was named Terminus for crying out loud because it was a train hub. We have neighboring states investing in passenger rail pointing to Atlanta, Atlanta and Georgia not pointing back. We'll discuss that when the Ron Show returns on the America One Radio app, com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show for Thursday, another mass shooting on a campus, this time a college campus, campus of University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And according to Vanessa McRae at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the man suspected of fatally shooting three people, wounding another at the UNLV campus, got his doctorate degree from the University of Georgia. He is identified as Anthony Polito, dying on the scene after a confrontation with police, according to several news outlets. Uh, UGA officials confirmed Thursday that Polito attended the school from 94 to 99 and was then enrolled in a dissertation class in the spring of 2002. That year, he received his doctorate degree in business administration from the Terry College of Business. Another call for gun reform from Georgia's Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock, who, by the way, won his runoff election a year ago. Happy anniversary, sir. Oh, it's also uh, uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Oh, I forgot about that. So many incredible stories of courage and sacrifice the shock of being attacked on domestic waters 81 years ago today. Mm. Uh, none the, and yet we, we, we rallied to do more about that than we do with gun violence. And we rallied to do more after 9/11 than we ever do about gun violence. Anyway, let's listen in at Reverend Senator Warnock's speech on the U.S. Senate floor yesterday, bearing in mind that this speech was given before the UNLV shooting that occurred yesterday.
3: Mr. President, I rise today because we are living in a nation besieged by gun violence. So far this year, so far our nation has experienced this year 630 Mass shootings. Now, this is day number 340 in the year 2023. So 340 days, 630 mass shootings. That's nearly as many, twice as many mass shootings as as we've seen days. Our precious children are afraid to go to school. They're worried that their classroom may be the next Rob Elementary, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, or Sandy Hook, as we remember that somber anniversary. <clears throat> I heard one of my colleagues, the senator from Wyoming, earlier today say that they're trying to take our freedoms away. We've heard that a lot from folks on the other side. They're they're trying to take our freedoms away. It's it's a strange freedom that regularly sends our children into lockdown. What kind of freedom is that? Hmm. According to the Gun Violence Archive, we've lost over 1,500 children to gun violence this year. And I think that there is a kind of unspoken assumption as we've been pushing for common sense gun safety and have gotten very little movement in Congress. I think the unspoken assumption is that this will not visit me. It will not happen to my family. When you consider that there have been 630 mass shootings already this year, sadly, the chances are quite good that this could visit any one of us. And we ought to do our work here in the Congress as if we are protecting our own families, because when we look out for other people's families, when we look out for other people's children, we look out for our own, and it could visit any one of us. We act as if this is normal, business as usual. Legislative action has the Senate passed to address this epidemic of gun violence, the Senate actually voted to give less information, less information to the national criminal background check system. Mm. Now, keep in mind that according to a 2023 Fox News poll, 87 percent of Americans believe that we ought to have universal background checks. Listen, let me say that again. According to a Fox News poll, 87% of Americans believe that we ought to have universal background checks, and so they present this as if it is an argument between Democrats and Republicans. Really, it is an argument between Washington and craven politicians and ordinary people every day who are just trying to live their lives in safety. There is a broadening gap between what Americans want and what they can get from their government. So at root, this is a democracy problem. The question is, who owns our democracy and at what cost to our children and to our families? And so we have a moral obligation not to turn away. Across the country, outside of Washington, there is widespread agreement that Congress needs to enact common sense, common sense gun safety solutions. 87% of Americans believe that we ought to have universal background checks. Every day I hear from Georgians who are sick and tired of losing people they love to gun violence. As a pastor, I presided over the funerals. And it begs me to ask, how is it that we can't keep our own people alive? What kind of nation tells its children that the only thing we can do in the wake of this crisis is to teach you how to hide? Mm. Last year, for the first time in 30 years, we were able to pass modest but meaningful gun safety legislation, but it was not nearly enough, and it took 30 years just to do that. And so we're all set to go home later this month to spend a few weeks safely, I hope, with our loved ones. And I encourage all of my colleagues to reflect on this question. Are we going to let other people's loved ones continue to die by the tens of thousands and let our babies get killed in their classroom for another 30 years before we choose to act? Time is always right to do what is right, Dr. King taught us, and that time is now.
1: Reverend Senator Warnock speaking of a democracy problem being at the root of this. He's not wrong, and we just saw three maps redrawn where a democracy problem continues to persist just here in the state of Georgia. One of those maps rippling up to our representation in Washington as well. And as long as we have gerrymandering and as long as we have a filibuster in a U.S. Senate, that prohibits democracy. And an electoral college that prohibits democracy. We're going to continue to have these problems. You say I'm hyperbolic, maybe I say I'm dead serious. The Ron Show back after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast.
0: Take the Ron Show wherever you go. Download the America One Radio app to your smartphone and listen on the go or in traffic, wishing you were on the go. The Ron Show on America One Radio.
1: Always good to talk transit in Metro Atlanta because whether you're inside the city or just ITP or even OTP outside the perimeter, there's uh, strife, there's angst, there's why aren't we doing something about this, uh, conversations being had throughout Metro Atlanta. Uh, joining me to have one of those conversations is Matt Stigle. He's a local marketing guru, also a transit and sustainability advocate and founder, this to me is the most important thing, one of the founders of Terminus Legion, that's an original and official Atlanta United supporter group. Oh, let me also mention that Matt is a member of the Cobb Transit Advisory Board. Matt, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Did I leave anything out? I mean, I know you're also like a husband and dad, so let's shout out to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I, uh, I definitely live a pretty busy life, and uh, I just take on these projects and, and enjoy just trying to bring communities together to, you know, whether it's soccer or advocating for transit or whatever the case is. It's, uh, yeah, I don't like being told no, <laughs> and so I... Constantly just continue trying to make stuff happen, I guess.
1: So being a transit advocate, you don't get told no a lot. You get told uh, just just you wait and see or give us a minute. And we've been giving a lot of minutes in Metro Atlanta of late. I noticed you, uh, you, you tweeted here back on uh, December 5th. That would be Tuesday that uh, you're a little bit skeptical about some of the new polling that came out of Cobb County with regards to uh, mass transit in Cobb County, which is woefully needed. Uh, by the way, this study commissioned by local Cobb business leaders and reported in the com. I'll give you the link in today's show notes at RonShowATL.com. So would you like to elaborate on, on your skepticism on those poll numbers? Yeah, so
0: I'm just skeptical on like the top line. Um, So the poll was 63% of people report a transit tax, Mm. and it's pretty consistent that it's basically the fourth resource, the fourth source, whether it's a poll or a study, that we've had over the last four to five years, Mm. and they all kind of sit there and say a vast majority of people want transit, but the million-dollar or billion-dollar question is how? And once you start kind of getting into the details... You start seeing, you know, people that, oh, but I wanted MARTA or, oh, but I don't want MARTA yeah. or, oh, I want transit for other people to use mm. or, you know, like it's it's very, the nuance of it is when you start to really start seeing that drop off and the difficulty of getting 50% plus one, you know, and that's, I think, the crux of it. So, like, I know the headlines are going to be 63%. Mm. Uh, you know, support a transit tax and all that and I still think it's going to be a challenge being one of the biggest champions for transit in Cobb County. Mm. It's going to be a challenge to uh, get this uh, to be successful at the ballot box. So
1: let's unwrap some of what you were saying. It, it sounds to me like uh, you have 63% of those who were pulled to so yes, I love taking cruises but I don't want to go on a carnival cruise. Also, yeah, I would love for there to be mass transit to get all these other people out of my way so that I can stay on the
0: streets <laughs> using what I'm using. Is that what I'm kind of hearing from you? And, like, one of the biggest questions from this poll was they asked people to, to define transit. Mm. And it was 43% of people define transit as cars. No. <laughs> and, I, I I, mean, I have spoken to hundreds of people about transit. And for better or for worse, people do not define transit as cars. Um, you know, like, even the pro-transit and the anti-transit. Like, you know, like, nobody's like, oh, yeah, transit is cars. Uh, so I, that's the one question that really makes me... Um, I don't know. I don't want to question the foundational, you know, parts of the poll, but it does make me um, really go what? Like, like, kind of, I don't know. It was just a very, very interesting takeaway of that.
1: Well, and, and knowing that 43% of those polled consider vehicular, uh, you know, methods of transportation as transit, it's kind of confusing then that you might actually assume that the 63% who would welcome a transit tax might be looking at more lanes on highways, as opposed to uh, finding some way to link Cobb Transit with MARTA or having some sort of heavy rail uh, element in Cobb County,
0: right? And, and then that'd be just more of the same—just increasing our car dependency, induced demand, more lanes. That's not help our congestion and traffic. It just makes it worse in the long run, you know. And that's where you start really seeing the public and their understanding of what transit, the different modes of transit, the impacts of transit, and you realize that there's a lot of just really basic public education that's required, uh, and with the proposed solution being pretty heavy on what's called bus rapid transit. Right. Not a lot of people in the Atlanta area have ever ridden a bus rapid transit route. So, you know, the the actual personal experience of what that is, it's a lot of messaging and education will be required to get people to understand how the how the proposed solution will benefit them.
1: It's almost as if there needs to be something a lot like what we have in downtown Atlanta with the streetcar. As an example, just a a small spur that shows you how it works. Uh, I think one example that came to my mind immediately was what uh, I enjoyed when I went to Denver. Gosh, this was like 20 years ago when uh, Coors Field had just opened and uh, Baker Street was closed off to vehicular traffic except for buses that would connect the rest of folks downtown with all the shops and businesses along Baker Street towards Coors Field. That was cool. You know, that's bus rapid transit and pedestrian friendly at that uh brt obviously in in metro atlanta wouldn't be exactly the same they're not going to close off streets but they are dedicating lanes and lanes for only the buses to get from point a to point b i mean i think we saw uh, something of a i hate to use the term compromise connecting emory with the rest of marta towards DeKalb avenue but that's not what gets folks excited that's not what gets people to vote on taxes either
0: yeah and, and you know people need the people who want transit Want to be excited? They want to look at the map and say, "Yes, I'm going to take it." So it's a, it's a challenge, you know. So it, you know, and, and in previous studies, like the McLaughlin survey done in 2018, um, you saw what was a shocking um, favorability for MARTA. The people who wanted transit wanted MARTA, and mm. um, and then in the 2020 primary election, there was a ballot question. And it was either 82 or 83% of Democratic primary voters in Cobb County wanted MARTA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it, it is a, um, it's going to be difficult getting the pro transit people to sit there and see, you know, a solution that they wanted and mm-hmm. that they want to pay taxes for. Mm-hmm. And I know that like people love, you know, bringing them down a bit. But the truth mm-hmm. is, is that the transit riders of this region equate transit with MARTA, you know, and at least that's my experience the poll says that people equate it with cars. But again, but I'm not ca- going to go too deep into that. <laughs> that
1: could that, that be for better or for worse, too, though. I mean, we, we've seen where, where MARTA's taken a little of a PR hit lately because uh, inflation ate into the money that they were getting from a, a right. recent uh, sales tax, and folks are coming away kind of disappointed with what they're getting out of MARTA, too.
0: Yeah, and the, and that's where a lot of the nuances required. Uh, you know, they they took some, with that more MARTA tax, they, they increased bus operations during COVID, mm. where the cost of operating the buses increase a lot labor gas everything and so um it's a difficult political challenge to have a political conversation to have uh, but it is one of those things where like it's yeah it's not cheap to run these transit operations mm-hmm. but on the flip side is it's not cheap to build these roads and maintain these roads either and yeah. we constantly look at this as an additive cost instead of looking at this as a we're spending billions of dollars on more highway lanes. Where's the outrage? Where's the you know? Where's the audits? Where's the questioning of the of that of those right. decisions? And um, you know, so it, it, to me, and, and also Marna has to operate with zero state help. Uh, and you know, and you look at other transit agencies around the country; they are operating with some additional, you know, state, send state funding stuff like that. So everyone loves to point a finger at them at the end of the day, but they're also operating with a lot of their hands tied behind their back. And um, you know, and and they're yeah, they're having to overcome those challenges just to operate a transit system. We're with uh,
1: Matt Stiegel. He is a uh, local marketing guru, also transit and sustainability advocate, one of the founders of the Terminus Legion. You Atlanta United fans will know what that's all about. Uh, so, Matt, I've been – I had one of these epiphanies when I was – and I'm sure we all do this. I had this epiphany while I was taking a shower the other day uh, because my mind just never turns off when it comes to politics or uh, you know, issues like mass transit, for example – I'm just waiting on that one gubernatorial candidate who's going to come up with the brainchild that, you know, we not only need mass transit in Atlanta and it needs to be uh, Metro Atlanta, but it also needs to be somewhat funded by the state. But we need more than that. We need rail that connects uh, Augusta to Atlanta, Atlanta to Macon and Columbus, uh, Macon to Savannah, uh, Atlanta to Athens. Wouldn't it be nice to to be able to see that your kid, once he's old enough to go to college, can still live here, but if he wants to go to UGA, only has to take the train every day. Uh, Atlanta to Kennesaw, Kennesaw to Chandu. These, uh, Yes, that's all expensive stuff, but it gets a lot of vehicles off the highways that we're having to spend so much money to maintain. But it's also good for the economy. Uh, it, it gives the opportunity for someone who may live in, say, Clayton County, but wants to go do some work in some rural part of Georgia uh, whether it be you know some sort of farm uh, you know gig or something like that, to just hop on a train and, and and be in another part of the state to
0: pull that sort of thing off, I'm waiting on that candidate.
1: Why why has that not why has that person not stepped
0: forward? You know, I'm kind of shocked on that too because what what we see in other states is we've seen kind of a bipartisan push for passenger rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina is a great example of it. They're yes. years ahead of us. Uh, they also just received billions of dollars to even get farther ahead of us. And no, that's a great point because. What you're seeing in North Carolina and other areas that are doing this is you're seeing kind of an economic revitalization of these downtowns that were abandoned when the highways were built. So they lost their, uh, you know, these downtowns that were typically built on old rail lines, yep. they lost their economic vitality because now all the cars and all the traffic and everything was bypassing them with the highway system. And so this is a chance when it comes to rural Georgia, when it comes to, you know, affordable housing, when it comes to mobility, when it comes to all of these things, yep. the, the, to have a scalable transportation network and, and you know, work for, you know the governor is constantly talking about workforce housing for all these electric vehicle plants, then it's like, you know, something like this could solve a lot of those needs. Mm -hmm. But again, we're just, you know um, I tweeted the other day, the Southeast regional plan that that the FRA did and I believe it was 2020 sat there and said, we need a Atlanta terminal study, which is literally just like what currently exists, what is needed to it for expansion what you know? What's the current infrastructure? What's but what investments needed? Mm-hmm. And that was you know mentioned. That was the only one of the entire southeast that was mentioned, because all the other states were doing it already, and they're like, "Hey, Atlanta, please catch up," and yet we're still three, four years later, and that study, that plan hasn't been started yet, and it all has to start. You know, I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of study after study after study, right? But people have to get into a room together and start talking about, you know, how how we. Try to find a solution like this.
1: And what's crazy is we're seeing th- these projects coming towards us, but we're not developing any game plan to attach ourselves to those projects.
0: Nope. Nope. And so the FRA did a corridor study. You saw the uh, mayor of Atlanta. So Andre, you know, uh, Andre Dickens, he joined Savannah, Chattanooga and Nashville, To support a Nashville to Savannah line. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Chairwoman Lisa Cupid did a letter of support for the uh, Atlanta to Birmingham and, of course, Atlanta to Nashville line, because both of those rail lines go through Mm Cobb. So you're seeing at least some of the, um, you know, some of the, and then also every mayor and county Mm -hmm. between Atlanta and Macon signed up to support that corridor. Mm -hmm. And even North Carolina Department of Transportation had a bigger letter of endorsement for passenger rail in the state of Georgia than GDOT did. So we really lack um, state, you know, I, I don't know. We, we lack that top-level state strategic push in order to see something like this happen. And we're losing federal dollars because of it. And it's pretty frustrating.
1: And I love how you talk about the the, the, the hidden costs. Uh, we, we never talk about the maintenance of the highways. We never talk about, like, having to build more parking decks at the Atlanta airport if we had some sort of passenger rail connecting the rest of the state to the Atlanta airport, there's so much less need for parking lots and parking decks at the airport, uh, never never mind the wear and tear on our local roads and highways getting to and from it.
0: And then talk about CO2 emissions and all the yeah. other impacts. Oh, yeah. About it. yeah, I mean, it just goes on. Like, it's one of those things where once, like, you know, I can kind of point to the day where, like, before and after my life, I started realizing those things, and, yeah, like, it's like, now I just drive around everywhere and see empty parking lots and see, Mm. you know, and I was like, oh, like, (laughs) why why are we doing this? And um, there's just, you know, we spend billions on to expand highway lanes that won't help congestion and will only increase traffic on local arterials, and you know, and it's just like, we keep Expanding a broken system mm-hmm. that's not scalable in a growing region that's going to continue to grow, mm-hmm. instead of figuring out like, hey, what what is scalable? What does work? And um, we, you know, and unfortunately, transit decades ago, generations ago, started being. Um, kind of used as a crux for either racism or classism. Yep, and that's, you know, and like nobody likes talking about it, but that's it's the fa- that's it's the, the truth core of yeah. what, you know, of, of, you know, a lot of the issues of today and, um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got to break that mold and, uh, we've got to overcome that. We're with Matt Stigl. He is a
1: uh, local transit and sustainability advocate, one of the founders of the Terminus Legion, Atlanta United fan base supporter group there. Uh, I remember when the battery opened and I told myself, I'm really excited about this. I just wish this were closer to where Turner Field uh, actually was. And I know Atlanta kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit, but I would love to hop on a MARTA line to get to the battery, as opposed to having to take my car and spend $40, $50, or risk getting towed at Cumberland Mall. Not that I would do that illegally, of course. And then having to walk, you know, about a mile or so to get to a game at the battery as well. But that speaks to, you're speaking of how, like, folks want MARTA. I don't want to take MARTA to have to then get on a bus and then get on a CCT bus and then get dropped off and then still have to walk four blocks to uh, Truist Park.
0: Well, and that's what the... So, if we could improve the service of the buses, like, you know, I mean, that's how we did it with Turner Field, and they were packed all the time, Mm. is you... Took the bus from Five Points to Turner Field, but it was so frequent, so fast. So you know, you stepped off the you know the the train at Five Points, went straight to the bus, yeah. and then they dropped you off at the front. You know, basically right at the front gate, mm-hmm. and you know you waited no longer than five minutes for that bus, and they were packed. It was it was used by everyone, and so you know the the transfers can't and like a shuttle can be done. But you just have to have it to a service level where people aren't waiting. It's, you know, people don't have to walk. You're being dropped off literally closer than anyone could park. You know, and that's the thing is right now, like, I take transit to the Braves games. Mm -hmm. But you have to walk a good eh, quarter, third of a mile, something like that. Yeah, And, you know, and if you could flip it to where instead of me taking transit, have to walk by all these parking lots mm-hmm. that mind you are 40 bucks and you know makes me realize like i made the right decision <laughs> but if you flip it and everyone who had a park had to walk by where people were getting on the yes. shuttle yes yes like suddenly like that's that's free like you know again i'm a marketer you change that concept right there Mind-wiring. and people are like oh i'll take the shuttle next time yeah
1: no you know
0: right. and it's like it, it's it's that simple and that you know and that you know and, and that um that's how the that's how you make it happen and um, it's just, it's, it seems to be more difficult than it should be.
1: We're talking with Matt Stigl. He is a Cobb Transit Advisory Board member, transit and sustainability advocate, and also one of the founders of the Terminus Legion Atlanta United supporter group. We'll pick up this conversation with him when the Roncho returns on the American One Radio app, com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of the Ron show, we are on with Matt Stigl. He's a local marketing guru, also transit and sustainability advocate, founder of the Terminus Legion. You Atlanta United supporters, you know who that is, right? Uh, he's also on the Cobb Transit Advisory Board, and we are talking transit today. So one more OTP question, then I want to come ITP a little bit. Uh, There's been a lot of talk uh, about a new hockey arena out in the middle of nowhere, up and coming Georgia, basically. And uh, I keep telling anybody who talks about this, you know what? Uh, Metro Atlanta, the Atlanta Planning Commission has rubber stamped this already. And that is an advocation, I think, of their task when they didn't also, you know, add dot, dot, dot if we get MARTA expanded from North Springs all, all the way up here? that's To me, that's the only way I'm going to go to a hockey a hockey match or a, a, a concert or anything at that new uh, venue is if I can take mass transit up there. I mean, it just seems to be such a no-brainer, but I feel like the Atlanta Planning Commission
0: dropped the ball. What do you think on that? I mean, I think this is one of those things where the ball got dropped before anyone was ready to catch it. Uh, you know, so, like, the way... You know, we're still working on transit in the city of Atlanta. We're still working yeah. on transit and Cobb. Or, you know, and next thing it's like, oh, wait, Forsyth? And we all know the history I mean, just, of Forsyth County. Just
1: to the county line. Just get me there, man. You know, I'll take a bus and from there the, if I have to.
0: And that's the other interesting thing about Atlanta. Uh, not even talking about the history of it, but when you look at the land area and the population ratio hmm. – of the city of Atlanta, so the urban core versus the rest of the region, mm-hmm. Atlanta's is much lower than other major cities. Yeah. And politically, and as far as like power and politics, that has a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And when you look at historically, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, they were hostile. Luckily, in the last few years, that's kind of switched. Yeah. When you talk about like urban, you know, and all those, I mean, digging into the history of Cobb County, Chattahoochee Plantation, right. all of that. Cobb County does not have a good history with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, that's definitely changed now. We're talking more regionalism. Forsyth County, Cherokee, and those counties, the excerpts are even more. Yeah. You know, like, and, and so they, so like, you know, ARC is very good at, planting seeds with their like lci studies and stuff like that with cities that are kind of ready to talk about that stuff mm. but you know i mean i think nobody was expecting this and you know and coming in Forsyth county yeah. um and it, if it's a catalyst for these conversations that's great mm. but i think okay. um you know there's still such a focus of just getting over the chattahoochee river sometimes yeah. that you know for you know go Thirty more miles out, and it's even more of a you know stretch.
1: I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying there. Uh, I, first of all, I think I think the whole project's an asinine idea and an asinine location. But you know, what am I? I'm not the one that owns the property, and I'm not a Forsyth County resident, so I don't really have a whole lot of say in it. I just felt like the the Atlanta Regional Commission should have inserted more conversation about transit needs, other than uh, right of way and more lanes, as you spoke of before. Now, I want to go my TP. I'm sure you're watching. There's been a lot of pushback to the Beltline and the rail portion of the Beltline now coming to the planning phases. Folks have bought property along the Beltline or open businesses and, and are seemingly surprised that rail has been an element all along and, and they don't want it now. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think it's ridiculous. Um, mm. Everyone knew that that was the original plan was to put transit on the belt line uh, to make it really work community to community and actually connect communities the the entire vision from day one was to have transit on the ballot line uh you know that for for this group to come out now i think again like how on earth can we move transit in this region forward if every time we try to do something we have these groups come out and say no we should do something differently Mm. and so this is where we just need the political courage and political will to sit there and just overcome some of these you know there's a group that will come out against like Anything, right? Anything. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a group that will come out to to try to stop it. And, you know, all these people bought property, knew the plans originally, all of it. And um, I don't know, like, for them to be kind of a thorn in the side and and continue delaying progress is just really frustrating. It just shows how difficult it is politically to get some of this done. Um, You know, when, yeah, I mean, no matter what, you're going to have a loud minority, a loud group of people show up and, you know, and start, wanting something else. And, um, yeah, I I think it's just another example of why it's very difficult to find these solutions. And this this goes back to the poll. People want more transit, Mm. but the how? Mm-hmm. You know, you could give everybody a you know a million dollars and sit so there, OK, how do you want to solve it? And 10 different people will come up with 10 different solutions and nobody will come to an agreement of which one's the right one. And so um, that just requires political courage, you know, a combined vision and more collaboration between these parties, when unfortunately, everyone kind of seems siloed off and of not having these conversations.
1: See, you know, I think it, I think the quick way to say it is suck it up. It was coming all along. This is what's coming. Uh, but, but, you know, there's this irrational fear, like, did they think a freight train an 80 mile an hour? hour freight train or even a
0: Marta subway train is coming through. It's 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 absurd. I don't get it. Uh and and it's also one of those things where uh you know like the the the, I don't like the ability for local homeowners and we see this in Cobb County a lot, Mm. local, you know, blocking progress that benefits everyone else because I mean we all know the term nimby And you know they they don't like we're having that with a simple bike trail up here. Uh people are like, oh we don't want bikers in our backyard. It's like (laughs) Seriously, <laughs> they're, not,
1: they're not Harley and they're,
0: gangsters. And, and it's it's a bike trail that would literally connect the city of Woodstock to the city of Marietta, and then the rest of the bike trail network. So it's like a regionally impactful bike trail. And you've got local landowners sitting there saying, you know, we don't want bikers in our backyard. Eh, what are you going to do, Matt Stigl? So,
1: thank you so much for joining us and having this conversation. We'll have to do this again very soon.
0: I can talk about this for hours. So Just yeah. uh, give me a time and a place, and we'll we'll continue talking about it. All right,
1: we'll do. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ron Show
0: today. All right, thank you. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I want to thank Matt for
1: joining us. Show notes and more at ronchoetl.com. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, dot or wherever you podcast. Get more show notes. Any show you may have missed, ronchoetl.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.